Welcome to a Healthy Push Podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. All right, today with me, I have Kimberly, and you might know Kimberly by Your Anxiety Toolkit, which is a name that I love, (laughs) and I definitely want to get into that a little bit, Um, but first off, just welcome Kimberly to Healthy Push Podcast. I'm so happy to have you you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a topic that is like shockingly something that I haven't really talked about a whole lot on my podcast. I've like sprinkled it here and there, but we're going to deep dive into self-compassion, which is something that I love and I know something that you love and are very passionate about. So I'm kind of curious, can you just tell us like how how did this become a passion? Why are you so passionate about self-compassion and like how does it fit into the work that you do? Hmm. Oh, it's a great question. Um, well, I am an OCD and anxiety th- therapist and specialist. Um, I'm also someone who has recovered from an eating disorder myself. Um, and so my experience of having an eating disorder and having anxiety was sort of my best teacher, right? Like I learned way more having a horrible eating disorder and an anxiety disorder than I did going through my master's degree. Um, Mm. But I'm so grateful for my master's degree. And what I found for my own treatment was um, every time I would make progress, I would kind of need to unlock a new layer of this mean voice inside me. And when I would unlock that, and when I mean unlock, I'm like, I would recognize it, understand it and be like, oh, that's not working anymore. Every time I would do that, I would have this massive improvement or gain mentally. And then I'm not going to lie, it's not, it wasn't a one and done. Then I'd have find another area of my life where there was this mean voice and these rules that I would keep for myself. And so for each time, the therapy and the tools and the cognitive behavioral therapy all was so helpful, but there was always this moment where I'm like, I, the compassion was sort of like the unlock key. So that's sort of my experience. And I found that to be very true of my clients as well. Um, and so my hope is that I can sort of just bring really quality treatment, but weave in this really important hum- human part of the work. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said it was kind of like this unlocking key because I had a very similar experience going through my own journey. And it was that for me, but it was exactly what you said. It wasn't one and done. Like, welcome self-compassion. And now all of my anxiety is gone (laughs) and my problems. (laughs) So with, you know, self-compassion, I think it's sort of like this really big, big tool. And I think, you know, your platform is your anxiety toolkit. And I think there are so many tools, right, that we can use in life and especially in any recovery. But I feel like self-compassion is kind of one of those tools that is like not negotiable. I feel like Mm -hmm. some of the other tools, like, you know, people might say, 
that doesn't quite work for me. I don't find that to be helpful. Like breathing techniques to sort of trigger me more and like all these different tools. And I feel like we kind of get to pick and choose of what's helpful. And Mm. I think I definitely with self-compassion had a lot of resistance toward it because I was like, how is this thing going to help me with intense Mm. anxiety, Mm. intense thoughts, intense feelings? And like, how can it stop panic attacks? I mean, like, you know, obviously looking at these tools as being the fixes. (laughs) So with self-compassion, I really, you know, I had that experience of this is super powerful. And I I definitely diminished it when my therapist sort of brought this tool to me. I did the eye roll thing of, Mm -hmm. look, lady, (laughs) I'm struggling with some really intense stuff. Like, please do not talk to me about kindness and compassion. But where do you like really see this fitting into people's recovery? Like why is it so important? Right. So I have your anxiety toolkit and it's a a social media platform and it's a podcast and all the things. And the way that I envision it, I actually created it right after my son was born and he actually got like this little like play tool belt And I was thinking that's sort of how treatment is, right? Like you have a belt and you've got a hammer and a spanner and a wrench and a screwdriver and a whatever, like, I don't know all of the tools, but you know, (laughs) and you need, there's no one tool you need for treatment, right? Like you're going to need to pull out different tools for different situations. There's no one and done. With that being said, there are always clients who I was experienced would go, but that, like you said, that that tool doesn't really work for me or that one I like, but I don't actually know how to do that. That makes no sense to me. And I have found that not, not only is self-compassion a tool in the tool belt, it's also a tool you can use when none of them work. Ooh. Right? That's so, good. So if you're in total fight, flight, freeze your brain is shut down. You don't even remember the name of tools. And you're like, I don't even know what they are anymore. I'm so panicked. Self-compassion can be an, a one fit, one size fits all in that it's just there to hold space for your suffering, which is what self-compassion is. It's just a practice of meeting your suffering kindly whether the tool's working or it's not, or you're doing well or you're not, or you're um, depressed or you're not, or you're, you know, panicking or you're not, like whatever it may be, it's there as sort of like your collect all option. Now, still, there will be times when you're going to say that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Like you did, like a lot of people, I've done retreats where we do two days of this, where people, when we get to the self-compassion part, they just like get up and walk out of the room. They're like, I'm here to learn about mindfulness because it will help me get better. None of that (laughs) self-compassion stuff. Um, I think that's where we can start to look at and the way I explain it to my clients is self-compassion is sort of like an insurance policy on your treatment, right? Because you will have ups and downs. And if you're able to gently hold space for yourself when you're having a down, um, you're more likely to get up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so true and so powerful. And just that kind of analogy that you gave when you feel like all the other tools aren't working, it's sort of that one that that will always be there and be super helpful, but it's knowing how to use it. And I think 
that's sort of where this starts. I feel like where this conversation has <laughs> to start, right? Of I know when this was brought to me, it was kind of brought in the way of my therapist saying to me, Shannon, do you actually listen to yourself? Do you uh-huh. listen to the things that you are telling yourself, that the things that you're saying out loud? And I was like, what? No, what? What do you mean by that? Like, yeah, I guess. And then I was like, no, I don't. I don't listen to myself. And then she actually had me repeat some of the things that I had said in that conversation. And, and I was kind of blown away because I had never really paid attention to how I spoke mm-hmm. to myself. And I, mm-hmm. I sort of knew that mean voice, like you said, showed up a lot. But I don't think even there was an awareness there. Mm-hmm. But also then, like, what what do I do with that? Like how do I how do I sort of combat that? What does that even look like? Yeah. Well, I think first what we can do is look at the physiology. And the way so the way that I, this is me, there's no science backed what I, I'm about to tell you, but this is the way I conceptualize it. Um I think of the voice as like this coach that we have in our brain. And the coach is there to motivate us, to keep us going sort of to tell us to slow down if we're going too fast. Um, You know, it's sort of, it's a a part of the the system in our brain that gets us to do stuff or not do stuff. If you think back to when you were maybe in high school, when you have that really mean coach and he's like, you loser, why did you do that? That as you hear, as even as you're listening, you probably felt a sense of anxiety show up in your body just with that. So for people who have anxiety, um, when we speak to ourselves that way, we actually increase the degree in which we are setting off our nervous system and we increase the amount of like um, the cortisol we're sending out into our body and the adrenaline. We're actually increasing the fight and flight system. And what that doesn't work because over here we're trying to actually, you know, live our life and have a peaceful, joyful life. And so that voice, that mean coach, while it may feel like it's motivating you to move forward and maybe succeed and maybe excel, it's actually stimulating and part of your nervous system, it's putting you into overdrive. What I prefer to do is call um, it a kind coach. So maybe if you have, some of us didn't have a kind coach in their lives, but a kind coach is somebody who knows our strengths and uses our strengths to encourage us and move towards hard things. And a kind coach also knows our weaknesses and doesn't use our weaknesses against us, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it does that, we already knew in the example, that actually creates extra problems. So the kind coach is Some people think that self-compassion, one of the myths of self-compassion is like, if I start speaking kindly, I'll like become a slob and lazy and like a rollover and, you know, I'll never stand up for myself and I'll never get out of bed. No, you just have to step away from being that mean coach into a kind, motivating voice and practice that just like you would practice doing push-ups. And that actually we know from science decreases procrastination, increases motivation, decreases anxiety and stress levels, decreases depression. We have so much research to show that self-compassion far outweighs the benefits of criticism. 
Yeah, I think it's one of those tools, like you said, that it's it sounds so simple, but in practice, if you don't have any practice with it, it doesn't come so easily. And I think we've sort of all had the mean coach and it's not so often that we can think about a kind coach. Like when you were giving that example, I was immediately thinking of my high school track coach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just like, what are you doing? You can run faster. Let's go. And like not saying it in the most kind way. And I think it's so easy to point that out in ourselves of, I can remember and think of even, you know, today, the things that I've told myself that haven't been so kind. Mm. And to to have that that awareness, to have a different response with myself, takes some effort. It's not mm-hmm. so, quote, easy, right, no. to be the kind coach. And it, it does feel really foreign. And I know, like, working with a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I, I believe it. I think that there's there's opportunity there, right? I I think I could definitely be more kind to myself, but I just don't even know what that looks like. Like what, what do you mean? Like be kind to myself? (laughs) Like, well, and what, and I love that question. I think what I would do and what I would encourage your listeners to do if that's their struggle is number one, no, that's the human condition. Like I've written a book about self-compassion and I still suck at it right? Like, that's okay. Let's just, let's be kind about the fact that we're not kind. Yeah. Right? Like we, and and again, let's look at the stats. Let's look at the reality. That coach of yours that said mean things probably got you to run faster. And so it makes sense that you're being conditioned into thinking that's the only way that things will get better. And that's why you've practiced it for so long. Now, this is no different to we currently have a brand new puppy in our house. It's no different to training a puppy. It's no different to learning a new language. It's no different to changing a habit. It is hard work and it is repetition and it's and it isn't fun and it's exhausting to change that voice in your head and that motivating voice in your head. Um, so that's, but that's just one piece of compassion. Mm. That's just the verbal part of compassion. There is also a physical part of compassion, which is how do you hold your body in pain, right? How do one of the most compassionate things I do for myself daily, I'm doing it as we speak, is I I have these rocks, right? So I have these like little rocks next to my my desk and it's they're so smooth and they're cold and I just touch them and I rub my finger along them. And that is an act of compassion for me. I'm not doing it in a compulsive way or to make my discomfort go away. It's just soothing and lovely, right? And that is an act of compassion. Compassion can also be physical in the way that you're just doing nice things right? Like I often will ask, one of the first questions I ask my patients is how do you withhold pleasure from yourself? Yeah. Something that I think so many of us are good at. (laughs) Right. Nearly every time they'll share with me, I don't buy the nice toilet paper because I don't feel like I deserve it. Or I bought myself the supermarket birthday cake this year 
instead of buying the cake from the rest the the place I love the place from. And that's okay. I understand, you know, th- we're talking about some of these things about money, but they'll sometimes say I don't rest when I'm tired. Mm. These are acts of compassion, right? So if you're really again, we have a tool belt. There are tools of compassion. You don't have to use the kind coach. You could just use for me when I started, it was and this is what I say to anybody If you're new to self-compassion, remember that self-compassion is not self-love. It's not like, I love myself. You're beautiful. You're the best. It's not that. It can be. (laughs) But sometimes it's just respect. The first step of self-compassion is self-respect. I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to engage with people who treat me poorly is an example. Or um, a big one as a clinician is I'm not going to engage in behaviors that actually keep me unwell. Mm. That's an act of compassion. Yeah. I'm so glad that you – I knew you were going to bring so much insight to this, right? Because I think we all think of self-compassion and it being that just give yourself a bunch of kind messages. Like be super supportive of yourself and that's that's all it is. And (laughs) – so much there's so many layers and i think that's why i love self-compassion so much is because it helps you to really look at all of the ways in which you're not being so supportive of yourself and how can i be more supportive and i love that you mentioned rest because i think that's one that we're all pretty good at like withholding things because we think that maybe it's helping us somehow like you Mm -hmm. said or It's more effective. It'll be more effective if I just keep going, if I just keep Mm -hmm. pushing myself, if I just keep doing all the things and like trying to find the tool or getting better at practicing all the tools. Like if I just do more, then I'm going to get better. I'm going to feel better. Right. And something like I'm glad you said, you know, self-compassion is something that you wrote a book about and you're not so great at it. And I think that (laughs) is the very human aspect of all of us that it is something that I literally have to practice and have practiced for years every day because it is a constant checking in. Okay, maybe I could be a bit gentler with myself and a big thing is slowing down and not trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. Knowing how that makes me feel, it isn't just – talk related. It is, a lot of it is physical. Mm. And that I think is going to be really helpful for many people listening because you might, it might be that discomfort of, I don't know how to talk to myself in a kind and supportive way. And it kind of feels weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I get that. And there's also this, it is really, feels really weird and uncomfortable to give myself support. Like to, you know, when you're saying what's supportive for you, it is – I can imagine somebody listening is like, what? Like that that sounds so yeah. weird. Yeah. And, you know, it all look, – it looks differently for all of us. But you don't right. often think of those things when you think of self-compassion. So true. And and again, that, that's why I would go back to like when all else fails, even if you're failing at self-compassion <laughs> – <laughs> An act of self-compassion or a practice of self-compassion is um, simply slowing down long enough to say, it makes complete sense that I feel this way, mm. right? It doesn't even have to be a forward-moving action of change. It often 
is just a settling in and going, yeah, there's suffering here, right? Like any, you know, sometimes I will say anyone who's been in this situation would feel the same way, who maybe made the wrong choice like I did. Anyone would have made that choice given the scenario and the situation and the knowledge they had. So self-compassion is the way that we understand it is it's, it's both a feminine, and I don't mean male or female when I say feminine, it's a feminine in that it's nurturing and warm and soft and gentle. And it's also can be very masculine in that it can be protective and it can be boundary setting and it can be forward moving. And our work is to, number one, know that that both need to exist for compassion to be very successful in practice. Um, and and you may have seasons. I know I tend to be in my masculine energy a lot. And so I often have to slow down and do a lot more of like the slow down, Kimberly. Let's just make some sense, space for the fact that you feel A, B, and C, Right. Um, if you tend to stay in that a lot or you're someone who, you know, um, struggles to get moving, you may need to practice more of that masculine forward facing compassion of I'm doing this hard, scary thing because that's what's best for me long term. And you can just play around with what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And I think not being so quick, right? We're always so quick to identify or to to say this isn't working, this isn't mm. working. And I think oftentimes, I know when I started this whole journey with self-compassion, I would often say it's not working. And it's really because I was facing a lot of discomfort. I was facing something that did feel really foreign and caused me to feel sometimes even more discomfort than I was already feeling. <laughs> and so I'd say this doesn't, this this isn't working because it doesn't feel good. And I think we're always looking for the the tool, right? The thing, the helpful thing, like it should feel good. And like you said, like cause us to make progress. Like we should be mm. moving forward. And sometimes it's not about that. And being really good about holding space and allowing for yourself to be in the suffering and to not do anything about it, I think is massive. Not that it's easy, but I think not convincing yourself I have to do something with this. Mm -hmm. I have to like throw all my tools at it and mm -hmm. I have to do something with it is huge because it's like mm -hmm. that permission of you can just be in it and we don't need to create all these stories about what this means or why or how or what we're going to do about it. We can instead just give ourselves permission to just be here. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. The, the it's funny. I love, I love talking about this idea of it's not helping me, um, <laughs> because I always, I always slow down for that sentence and go, oh, okay. Let's first, because remember, self compassion comes from a lot of very, very historic religious teachings right? Compassion. Yeah. Um, not that it's religious in its practice, but it comes a lot from Buddhism and a lot of it's, you know, there's a lot of compassion as a piece of many, many religions. But 
it's important first to recognize that one of the most important pieces of compassion is a practice of mindfulness and awareness. And so let's talk about help, what helps. So let's say you're suffering. Doesn't matter what kind of suffering, anxious, depressed, sad, angry, you're physically in pain, whatever that may be, you're suffering. And my guess is everyone's suffering in some way as we speak, even if it's not 100%. When we suffer, our natural innate reaction to that is make it go away. And so when someone says that's not helping, we'd slow down enough to go, what do you mean by help? Do you mean help in that it'll make your discomfort go away for the short term? Or do you mean it's not helping in that it won't take me towards my values or the long-term peaceful life that I'm working towards, right? Uh, and yeah. that's the that's the piece where we have to slow down enough to go, I'm trying, of course, I'm trying to get rid of this pain. I don't like being in pain. Nobody does. But can we actually get better at just having an open space where discomfort and pain can be? And can we get good at allowing it to be there kindly? Because what we do is we go, I'm okay for anxiety to be here. I'm okay to sadness to be here. But I'll beat myself up the whole time. And so it's just, can you let it be there and hold a safe place for it? And I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but it's so important. Yeah. And I think it's so important to be a little bit open or a lot of bit open to the woo-woo. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember right going through my recovery and hearing some of this stuff that sounded a bit woo-woo and sounded like so far from where I was or anything that I would ever be open to practicing. But it opened so many mm. like layers and and just so many insights and helpful like tools for me to then use. I love, I want to go back to, because you said something really cool that oftentimes we're kind of saying this, it's not working because it's not giving us that quick relief that I want to just feel better. I don't want to feel this way anymore. But the second part that you said that I love and is so important is this other path <laughs> that might be a little bit tougher and a bit more uncomfortable is actually leading me toward something that's important to me, toward my values. And I think that's kind of something, a big like kind of you stick that self-compassion key in and you like, you know, jiggle it around a little bit and it like really breaks through. And it's like it's that door is opening and it's leading you to something that sure – is going to be uncomfortable, but leading you to opportunity, leading you to really good stuff, things that are really important to you, things that you want, long-term things. Like that is such a unique, cool part, I think, of Mm self-compassion is it's not – you're not going to get that quick. Like – and oftentimes with many of the tools, right, it's not this quick, we all want that as humans. I want to feel better. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Like, please make it better right Right. now. (laughs) Right, right. I think as a mom, um, 
I've I've had to practice this a lot recently in that we get set in our ways on how we want things to go. Like I want this to happen and then this to happen and this to happen and then we can all live a happy life and <laughs> everyone should just get on board with what I want. <laughs> right? And and I remember you know, sometimes we lose track of the fact that it's that's not working. Hmm. My plan isn't working. The plan of running away from fear doesn't work. It works short term, but it doesn't work long term. It actually makes the fear worse in the long term. And it was took my husband sitting me down and he I'm like, no, if we just do A, B and C, everyone gets to be happy. And he's like, Kimberly, it's not working. Yeah. Right. It's not working, hon. Like we we got to find another strategy, and it's going to mean that you're going to have to feel uncomfortable, and it's might feel a bit of pain. You might feel a bit of like that. It might feel, and I'm using that in quote air quotes. It might feel wrong, but what you're doing, what feels right, isn't working. Um, yeah. And that that's so important for this. You know the the golden question of self compassion is what do you need Mm. right that's the question but I for folks who have anxiety myself included I always add a little section to the end which is what do you need that is within your control right because when we're anxious we're like what do I need I need this anxiety to go away (laughs) like (laughs) I need I need everyone to just stop bugging me or whatever it might be and that is the question that you can ask yourself yeah I think that's so good. So good. Like, what do I need that's within my control? And a huge aha moment that I had was I always have control of how I talk to myself Mm -hmm. and whether or not I ask for support and whether or not I check in with myself and ask myself what I need. And I only have control of whether or not I am going to take the uncomfortable action of giving that to myself because oftentimes it was because that voice was saying, but maybe you don't deserve that. Right. And I think that's why, you know, the helpful questions I'm such like a fan of because they lead you to some insights that you didn't even know were there, like to some answers that you didn't even know like existed within yourself. That is, I love that question. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's it's not mine. I didn't come up with it. It's it's come that comes from the Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer uh, mindful self compassion model, um, yeah. which is a great resource. Um, selfcompassion.org online. Yeah, it's so good. It's that within my control because I think we're always so focused on all mm. these areas that we don't have control of. Right. But how can I? But how can I make sure? How can right. I get that certainty? And we focus all our efforts on that stuff that we're just going to keep spinning our wheels. But yeah. self-compassion is one of those beautiful things. Like we can actually give ourselves what we need and right. and we can do take the uncomfortable action that's going to help ourselves to get more support. Yeah. I love this. This has been really, really helpful, Kimberly. And I think, you know, if somebody is still – on the other side of this, listening, thinking, <laughs> not quite sold, sounds woo-woo, I am struggling with some real intense stuff over here. Like how, what, 
what is just some one piece of advice that you would give that person if they're really resistant to like, I don't know. I don't think I'm not convinced. Mm-hmm. I would I would say the first step is just curiosity. Remember, no one you don't have to practice self-compassion. You one hundred percent get to choose if this is something that you want to do. I say to my clients, you don't have to do compassion work. Like we can just go ahead and do the tools and do the treatment and you don't even, you don't even have to touch it if you don't want. But, but I would encourage listeners to just be curious and and do a little inventory on when you do treat yourself with self-criticism, how's it working? Mm. How's it working? Is there an opportunity for you to make maybe make a teeny, teeny, tiny switch where it may actually reduce your suffering in some point? The I know you didn't ask me this, but I feel compelled to tell you. I'm sorry. I was going to go on a little tangent. Is um, There was a period of time when my husband was really, I'll tell you, it's a personal story, was going through a lot. And I he basically had to And when I would come to him, because I was struggling, I was going through a very severe medical issue at the time, and I could see he was tapped out. Like he couldn't take, he couldn't, he wasn't able and didn't have the capacity to hold space for me like he would normally, which is so wonderfully kind. And I, it was probably the biggest gift he's ever given me is to say, I need you to this sounds terrible. I'm sort of paraphrasing, but like, I need you to be able to hold your own stuff just for a bit. Mm. The best gift he could have ever given me because it made me realize that when I'm suffering, I go straight to him and I ask him to take my pain away or I want him to soothe me and nurture me. And that small short period of time was like an exposure to where I had to be the first line of defense. When I was suffering, it had to be me. And I used it as an opportunity to go, wow, I had no idea that I was outsourcing all my compassion instead of practicing it for myself. And it was the most amazing growth of my life to be like, now I'm like, no matter what, I could totally do it on my own, right? I don't have to, and I'm not recommending that be your goal, but it was so good to know that at at any point I can be the person who picks up my pain. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah, sorry, I that was a tangent, that. but I felt it when no. I wanted to share it. Yeah, totally necessary, helpful tangent because I think, you know, something that I I had a similar experience and it was this I was always looking outward, right? There's <laughs> for the tools, for my loving, supportive, so super kind, but yet enabling people in my lives <laughs> to help pick up the pieces and to do all the things. And I've always been one of those, you know, verbal, like verbal self-compassion is very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found that to be really helpful. Um, many other <laughs> avenues too, but I had to slow down and ask myself, can I give myself what I'm looking for outward? And so often I could, but it was, quote, easier, right, to get that outside of myself. But I didn't allow myself to build that 
that strength, that capability, that knowing, that belief in myself because right. I was always just looking externally. And it mm-hmm. is. It is such a gift when somebody – you know, I wish kind of – looking back, I say, you know, I wish somebody kind of would have said that to me earlier in my journey. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Shannon, I love you, but but no. <laughs> but yeah. no. Like how can we – Make sure that you understand that you right. have what you're looking for right. in other people. Um, right. I'm so glad that you mentioned that and went on that tangent. So, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so, if people are like, cool, I want to know more, or I'm struggling with anxiety or OCD, where can they come and find you and connect with you? Sure. So a couple places. Um, I have a podcast called Your Anxiety Toolkit. It's um, anxiety, mindfulness, self-compassion work. Uh, I also have an Instagram handle called Your Anxiety Toolkit. And um, I have online courses for OCD and BFRBs, anxiety, panic, you know, depression at cbtschool.com. that is like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and then if people are interested in working with me or some of my staff, I have nine incredible therapists that work for me. They can go to KimberlyQuinlan-LMFT.com, which is a mouthful, I know, but um, <laughs> right. that's my private practice. We'll put the link in the show notes if you have to try to figure out how to spell a lot. It's a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kimberly. I appreciate it. This conversation has been wonderful and I know it'll be helpful to so many. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at a healthy push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.